Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. There comes a moment in all of our lives when we must face what it is that we least want to face. Maybe another way of putting it is we have to face what we don't want to face. And yet in that moment we have to acknowledge that we ourselves have contributed to the situation we now have to face, along with others along the way. The names we would give to the things we fear facing the most may be different, but at the core they're all rooted in the same things and there is one indispensable key to their resolution. One of the greatest pieces of wisdom ever written on this is found in the Old Testament of the Bible. You may wish to dismiss it as an irrelevant piece of literature dealing with Israel's history, but actually it's everyone's story. People ask me, do you think these stories are true? I say the question is wrong. The question is not, is this true? But is this truth? In that light, literal legend, myth all become irrelevances. And it broadens one's uh, field of view to be able to embrace so many more things than we were told that we could. As we pick up the story, we're dealing here not just with an individual issue, but with a lifetime's accumulation of issues, finding expression in this one thing. May I also say the story of, to this encounter weaves in it all the elements that are critical to a successful outcome. So let's get into it. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 6, it says, When the messengers returned to Jacob... They said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. And in great fear and distress, Jacob responded. Let's take a step back to the events that brought us to this moment. Um, Jacob was the twin brother of Esau, who were born to the Hebrew patriarch Jacob. Right from the very beginning, there were some issues because, because uh, uh, Jacob was born second of the, of the twins. And uh, his mother certainly wasn't too thrilled with the situation because uh, how it records it is that um, uh, uh, their father Isaac loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. Partly because Esau, as the story goes, was a man's man. He, he was a, a, a hunter, you know, a fieldsman, um, athletic. Uh, Jacob, it talks about him being smooth-skinned. A bit like, you know, skin as smooth as a baby's bottom. Uh, like something out of a L'Oreal advert or something. Um, but anyway, it's this situation of, of daddy loved Esau more than Jacob. Now, 
I love the way these stories are weaved because many of you will have lived in a situation where you had a, a perception of or maybe a real um, situation of a favoritism that left you feeling less than the best, less accepted, less wanted, uh, not up to par, not up to scratch. And that in that process, things were done which, uh, which just amplified and magnified uh, that situation in your mind and in your heart. And of course, that, that does something to people. And um, uh, in this situation, uh, there was a blessing to be handed down, um, an inheritance, a legacy. And uh, Esau, as the firstborn of the twins, was uh, due to, to get this legacy. He was in line for this legacy, for this blessing. And um, uh, uh, Jacob's mother, who loved Jacob more than his brother Esau, uh, maybe the feminine side of it, I don't know. Uh, but she was not happy with this and she wanted Jacob to get ahead. So uh, she helped or maybe even devised and hatched the scheme that when the time for the blessing would come for the for the legacy to be handed down uh, that that she would choose a moment when Esau the hunter was out on a hunt uh, and in that moment to send the second twin Jacob in to the father's presence. Now, again, I love the way these stories are weaved because it talks about uh, Isaac's eyes were failing him. He was an old man and couldn't see. And uh, boy, there's just so many things in there of how, how a situation uh, can be engaged because we know that somebody can't see properly what it is that's going on. Anyway, within this thing, they hatched a plan of deception where uh, Jacob would uh, cover himself in goat skins, uh, stinky goat skins, um, and uh, uh, go into his father and take, of course, take his father's favourite um, wild game broth. Uh, boy, can you see how all these things just uh, just paint the picture? And so Jacob goes in and um, goes to his father, and father asks, "Who is it?" And of course, he says, "It's Esau." Uh, which of course it wasn't, it was Jacob. And so the father asks him to come near and he feels him and of course he feels the goat skin and he feels the hairy, uh, the hairy skin which Esau was a hairy man and he smells the, the smell of the field upon him and um, uh, old Isaac says the, the voice is Jacob's but, but, but the feel um, is that of Esau. And uh, Jacob convinces him that he's Esau and so Isaac bestows upon Jacob um, what should have been bestowed upon his brother Esau and so of course when Esau gets back from the field and goes into his father to receive his blessing at this time father says I can't give it to you I've already given I thought it was you I thought you'd already been and of course they found out that this was his uh, his younger twin the second twin Jacob because uh, he hits the roof, he's a hunter, he has weapons. Uh, Jacob's mother fears for his life, so she tells Jacob to clear off, and Jacob then becomes a fugitive and uh, runs across and, and finishes up with, um, with one of his uncles staying there away from where Esau is and, and building his life from there. And there's a whole story that, that goes with that that you can read in Genesis. 
Um, but the point is now we have come to the place of reckoning. Now for all of us in our life, whether we created the situation, were party to the creation of the situation, or are a victim to some degree of the situation, there always comes for all of us a day of reckoning and we need to know what to do when that day of reckoning comes if we're going to come out of it with any sense of health and transformation and that's where this story kind of picks up. So so what we read earlier, we, we've got... Uh, the point now where Esau has left his uncle Laban, he's going to have to, uh, uh, sorry, Jacob has left his uncle Laban, he's going to have to face Esau. Esau represents his greatest fear. Esau represents everything in life he doesn't want to deal with, doesn't want to encounter, doesn't want to be face to face with, would do everything to avoid in many ways, but he knows he's not going to be able to avoid this encounter because really it's an essence of, of encountering or facing up to a part of his life, even though he would rather not have to deal with it. And so that left us in great fear and distress where we've all been, the fear and distress when we know that we're going to have to face something. So, so we pick up the story uh, in verse 22 of Genesis 32. It says, And that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and this is not an excuse for slavery, okay, so that's a different conversation there, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. And after he sent them away across the stream and sent over all his possessions. So this is saying not people nor possessions can help you in the situation you're going to have to face. It says verse 24, so Jacob was left alone. So here he is now, having, having lived in a situation where being somebody who he wasn't to some degree, he had he had uh, accumulated wealth and people and name and reputation and all that stuff that we uh, tend to chase. Um, and, uh, and yet here he was now uh, alone in the darkness. And it says a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now again, literal, uh, literate, Legend, myth, it doesn't matter. The issue is what's happening here is suddenly he's having to face a situation where the precursor to the facing of that situation is the one where you find yourself alone in the dark. Now, that's got actually, in reality, for all of us, not necessarily everything to do with the lack of people. It's that place we find ourselves and we know when we are there. And uh, St. John of the Cross called it the dark night of the soul. And uh, so here he is alone. And it says a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, all the successors in the world cannot excuse you from this moment. Nor can they alleviate its pain like some bargaining chip thrown on the table. What intrigues me is that the wrestle in Jacob's life, though, did not begin here in this dark night of the soul. If you just shoot the story back, that's where I say you find so many elements say so much about life. Because going back into Genesis chapter 25, where he is about to be born and he's in his mother's womb with his twin brother Esau, it says when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. 
The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out. This is Jacob with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. You see, the wrestle had already begun back in the womb of his mother. The wrestling for favour, the wrestling for acceptance, the wrestling for recognition, the re wrestling for love. And you can, you can put in there the things that are your specific particular thing according to who you are, your personality type. It was all about grasping, you know, grasping to get ahead, grasping to become someone we are not. All of those things are all encompassed in this image that's painted here that he's the second child coming out, but he's already started to wrestle. He's already trying to get above ahead. He's already trying to become someone that he isn't. Now, parental interference doesn't help the development. You know, Jacob's mother got involved. She wanted him to be someone that he was not. And everything that she schemed and did that ultimately led to the day that we're talking about now, for which she was uh, in a great way responsible, uh, was pushing him because now he was having to deal with who he had been pushed to be in those moments because of what his mother wanted of him, what she wanted him to be. And some of you listening to me today might, might be right in that place where you've struggled all your life because mum or your parents wanted you to be somebody who you're not. Some of you guys in America whose dads pushed you in sports and various things because they were wanting to, you to achieve something and often parents are wanting to live their lives through their children in areas where they themselves did not succeed or where they feel that if the child does not succeed it somehow diminishes what they did as young people in their life the achievements they had you know and of course we see that when you know the son the daughter has to be a doctor or has to be a lawyer or whatever and these are terrible things but this this story is dealing with that parental interference does not help the development mums and dads don't get involved in your expectations of your kids to the point where you pressure them to be who they are not because down the track, down the line, they're going to be Jacob on that night where he has to face Esau and in fear and distress they will have to go into that situation and maybe you can spare them a little of that pain. So his mother was involved and then I thought this is just a tremendous insight on the, the situation uh, because Jacob blessed, sorry, Isaac the father blessed Jacob instead of Esau. Now I know there was deception in it, but the problem was compounded and intensified in Jacob's life when his father blessed who he wasn't. So when he went in, in spite of the deception, in spite of the trying to get ahead, in spite of mother's involvement, there's a problem here that the father, that, 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 that the problem in Jacob's life was intensified and compounded when his father blessed who he wasn't. And again, I, I want to just draw attention to that. So often we have had fathers in our lives. Some of you like me in ministry and various situations in Christian homes, uh, the problem you, you encounter has been compounded and intensified because, because your father blessed you to be who you weren't. 
And somehow that then you were trying to fulfill this expectation to, to live up to this requirement. The problem was confounded and intensified when his father blessed who he wasn't. And the wrestling folks starts here. It starts in that birth. It starts in all of this process. The wrestling starts here. Now let's pick up the story. Verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him. Remember he's right, this man's coming wrestling him. When the man saw that he could not overpower him. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said let me go for it is daybreak as a dawn coming. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He needs a different kind of blessing now. Uh, how, how about we put it this way? I refuse to come out of this with nothing but a wound. See, when we find that dark night of the soul, when we find that place of facing the thing we didn't want to face, when we face our fears, when when in fear and distress we we are there and we find ourselves wrestling with this thing, this figure, this person, God. If we don't take the attitude, I refuse to come out of this with 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 nothing but a wound, then the truth is we, we try to escape and we come out wounded. And so we only get a half a thing because we rather let go of the wrestle. We stop the wrestle. And all we leave with is a wound instead of a transformation. And I think I've been there. I think many of you have been there. And you say, oh, I've been there. I've, I've had those dark times. And all you can point to is a wound. But that's because you, you let go of the wrestling. You stopped too soon. You didn't say, I refuse to come out of this with nothing but a wound. You have to take that tenacity. You've got to get strong and say, I will not. Now that I'm in this and now I'm facing this, I refuse to come out of this with nothing but a wound. So verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Would it be helpful if we rephrase that to who are you? How... How critical, how significant, how relevant was it that the question of this man to Jacob who struggled with all these things since the day he tried to pull his brother back or get a, or get a leg up from his brother when he was in the womb, how, how, how significant that this man should ask him what is your name. That was his identity. It was his identity that he should ask him, okay, who are you? Here's the problem right here. Who are you? Who are you? Are you the one your father blessed? Are you the one whose problem was confounded because your father blessed who you weren't? Who are you? Jacob answered, Jacob he answered, which, you know, those of you are understand bible language means supplanter deceiver cheat many of those things that name can be then the man said to him i remember this is coming because he wouldn't let him go i refuse to come out of this with nothing but a wound i refuse the man said your name will no longer be jacob because you have struggled with god and with men and have overcome but his name would now be israel which which 
being interpreted into our language is, is a prince, prince with God, a prince with God, Israel. Now you're looking at uh, what was the formation of a birth of the history of a, of a, of a nation peoples there, which is, which is interesting again to piece together uh, the story. Uh, but your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Something transformational was happening, but the transformation was not happening to circumstance. The transformation was happening to identity, to the knowledge of who he was, the becoming who he was, not the person who others had determined that he was who he actually wasn't. See, we, we all at some time reach a point, and it's a good point. And I was never taught this was a good point, but it's a good point. We all at some time reach a point in which we wrestle with gods and men. Now, that wasn't a slip of the tongue when I used the plural term for God. It was deliberate. It was deliberate because I think very often the God, singular, that we were presented, have been presented, that some of you are still trying to hold on to, is not the God of Jesus, is, is not in many ways even the God of the Bible. He's not the God of the universe, the creator. He, he's a God of the construct of institutional uh, religious thinking that has reduced him, minimized him, limited him, made him small, made him boxable, and uh, uh, made him fit within a constitution, within a series of fundamental beliefs, um, all of those things, an institution. And uh, you see, we, we, we all have to come to this point and do come to this point and need to take a wrestle seriously as we are portrayed in this picture of Jacob. It's that we reach the point at which we wrestle with God's and men. We wrestle over the issue of humanity. We wrestle over the issue of purpose and people. And we wrestle over the issue of the divine and, and, uh, and, and time and what we might call eternal things, eter things beyond time and space outside of the rules that we have used to limit. All of those things we wrestle with gods and men and you need to and you have to and when you come to this point if you hold into the wrestle you will wrestle with gods and men at a point where you hardly know what it is that you believe who to believe what to believe when to believe but you gotta hang in there because at the end of it comes a transformation most of us would rather run than wrestle especially when we find ourselves alone in the dark night facing our fears we must demand from that wrestle a blessing. Refuse to let go of this violent episode until you have received a blessing. Don't let go too soon. There's a new you, the real you on the other side. So we pick up the story again after this wrestle and after he's had this declaration of a transformation of identity says the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Do you remember the guy in the fight touched his hip and put his hip out of joint to try and get him to give up? And there's so much of that happens to try and get us to give up. But he stayed with it. But in staying with it, he came out of it limping because of his hip. 
says, therefore to this day the Israelites do not heat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Uh, very noble, but it's uh, another point of religion which is uh, having a degree and missing the point. So he's limping. And when he finally meets his brother, who is the face of his greatest fear, he's recorded to have made this amazing comment and it's in Genesis 33 verse 10. If I've found favour in your eyes, accept this gift from me. Listen, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. What was the transformational process that produced this end result? It was the willingness to engage the struggle with gods and men in search of the authentic self who can only be found through the facing of your greatest fear and your past in the present. So what did Jacob mean by seeing the face of God? He certainly didn't mean some Turin shroud imprint of a face suggested to be made by such an incredible uh, nuclear dispersion. He certainly didn't mean icons and images and, and portraits. What did he mean that seeing your face is like seeing the face of God? He meant that he had a total transformation of perspective which gave a transformation of perception so that when he looked at the thing that should have been the now the greatest fear and distress the greatest downer, the greatest reminder of everything that had been, uh, the bring down, the pull down, the break down, uh, the death. He now sees the face of God. He sees the divine image in the very thing that was uh, the, the one, the thing that he was most afraid to face. So if we see it through, we all end up with three things. And I'll finish with this. These are the three things we end up with if you see it through. A new name. Symbolic of a new you and a new way of identifying the new you. Something that doesn't join up like it used to. Remember the Ahep? That's an image that's telling us that in this thing you will finish up with things that don't join up like they used to. That's a good thing. It's supposed to happen. Accept it, embrace it. Otherwise you'll be trying to make things join up and line up that can no longer join up and line up. And if you make them join up and line up, you will undo every benefit that you receive from the wrestle. And the third thing, so a new name, symbolic of a new you and a new way of identifying the new you. Something that doesn't join up like it used to. And the third thing, you finish up with a limp. But that limp is your trophy that says that you have made the journey through that dark night of the soul, through the fear and distress. You have addressed and faced all those things that brought you to this place that were not the representation of the real you. And now you've come through with a new identity and a new strength and are ready to face life from another dimension. I would say to people, if you want some help, you want some advice, always look for the person with the limp. But why don't you become the person with the limp so you, out of understanding this, can be a blessing to lead someone else into life today. I love you. And I'll talk to you again sometime later in the week. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. 
If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash QChurchYork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest. <laughs>